0: Mother says he was a normal happy boy until he became obsessed with black metal music. Rocket
1: roll. <laughs> Sounds like Christian rig.
0: Heavy metal music
1: groups promote satanic worship. They're anti-peace and anti-life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Metal Face Podcast. The podcast where each week we discuss free metal albums. My name is Ben and joining me, as always, I have my good friends Tom and Josh. This is episode nine and this week we'll be discussing Necrophilf's album Devil's Breath, The Chris Scene with their album Pervo and Shadow of Intent's album Reclaimer. Very nice. You guys ready? I'm ready. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to it, Ben. Yeah. How are you doing this week, Tom?
2: Yeah, I'm alright. I'm uh, I'm pretty jazzed about um, events that are soon to unfold in the United Kingdom. Oh yeah? What's happening? Well, next week we'll be able to go to the fucking pub. What? For the first time in, what has it been? It's been about four months. What is pub?
0: <laughs> is a fucking pub different from a normal pub? Oh, well. you got to go to Berlin for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How are you doing, Josh? Are you, you excited to go to the pub? I am also very excited. There's a lovely beer garden not far from my place, and they're not doing bookings. You just turn up, and I'm going to ah, be... yes, they're like a shot. What a world where you can just walk into a pub and
1: buy a drink. Is it better
2: if a pub does bookings or not? Because if there's bookings, you're guaranteed a place. And at this point in time, everywhere's going to be fucking full as anything. But if there's not bookings, it's like it used to be in the old world, and, you know, inherently, I just prefer that.
1: Ah, the old world. Yes. I think... There is a nostalgic element to it, but I I see what you mean. Being able to get a table would be good.
0: Yeah, old-fashioned things like going to a bar without having planned it three months in advance are things I miss. (laughs) <laughs> I hope we can return to that. Yeah, I mean, I I just miss the times when you could just elbow your way through
2: the crowd in a pub, get to like the corner of the bar between two people's elbows, and order a drink from there, <laughs> I and know. then stand like leaning on like you know like a skirting board, a little bit on a pillar with yes. someone else. Be like, oh this is nice, isn't it? Yeah, There's space.
0: <laughs> <laughs> someone breathing into your ear. <laughs> I actually really like table servers at bars now. I I wouldn't mm. mind paying a bit of extra money to just like order via app.
2: I think it depends, doesn't it? Depends if you're going on the place. To somewhere like- oh yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. somewhere like the Mother's Ruin or the Griffin in oh, no, no, Bristol, yeah. you want to be able to cut you want to do a bit of shoulder barging to get to the bar. That's part mm. of the experience. If you're at like a sort of, yeah, if you're at like a nice craft beer pub, I'm okay to just sort of sit there and have them bring it to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exeter hasn't got many Mother's Ruins or Griffins, so it's mostly cider outdoors and a garden. No, it's so. <laughs> It does
2: have the Firehouse though, which has got to be one of my favourite pubs going. Oh, that mm. is a beautiful place.
1: Yeah, Firehouse.
0: Oh man, I, I cannot wait to go back. I, uh, I want a pizza.
1: Yeah, those pizzas are ridiculous.
0: There's another lovely place that's not opening yet, but it's all indoors, called the Hourglass, which is just, does lovely food. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's independent.
2: Oh, that's not the gin place, is it?
0: No, I don't think so. It's it's up near the, it's like
1: on the hill above the quay. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to need to like make a list and then have one of the most ridiculous pub crawls that's ever existed and probably injure myself. Oh, in absolutely,
2: doing so. yeah. I mean, I've said it many times, but I'm going to die of alcohol poisoning and not COVID. Yeah,
1: probably sometime in May. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, uh, what was the name of that gin bar, Josh, that we went to on your birthday?
0: Uh, that one. Um it's called Crocket's. Oh, Crocket's, yeah. right, right. Did you go to
2: that, Ben? Were you there? No, I wasn't bathroom? there, but I've heard yeah,
0: the, the stories.
2: Yeah, yeah. What, what what was that story? What what happened exactly, Josh?
0: <laughs> so I went <laughs> to the bathroom <laughs> and I locked the door and I had a few drinks, okay? And it was one of these swiv- In the bathroom? No, 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 before. Oh, and good. I, I was leaving the bathroom. Attempting to. And um, it was one of those swivelly.
2: So this is what kind of a bar? This is what? What, like with several stools. No, it it's, it's like... a
0: single single loo in a little oh, cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has right. one of these these swivelly locks, right? You know, it's got the lever. You turn it over like 180 degrees, and it, it like. Yeah. I appreciate you acting out this lock on a audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I go to unlock it and it's jammed. Mm, mm. And I'm like, what? What is this? And I'm like really trying to turn it and I won't turn. So I go, okay, well yeah. I know what to do. I'll I go out my keys, which had a bottle opener on it, like a <laughs> long triangle one. And you I thought
2: you'd MacGyver
3: it.
0: <laughs> I put the bottle opener around the lever and I was like, well, this will let me lever it open. And I kind of pulled as far, as hard as I could to like force the lock. Which is, yeah. Anyone can tell you it was a bad idea. <laughs> um, and because this was a tiny little bathroom lock, uh, the metal like sheared off. Oh no. Oh my god! And it turns out the reason why it wouldn't open was because I'd been turning it the wrong way because I was drunk. Oh my god! <laughs> No, I never so knew that. Got, so, right, so you use this bottle open
2: you got further entrenched in the uh, in the situation.
0: <laughs> so having having realised I was totally trapped in this bathroom in this bar, and there, there was no like other door, it was just this, and there was no one else there. So I, I, only thing I knew what to do is I, I pulled out my phone and I texted Tom.
2: And now see, I'm sitting at the uh, I'm sitting at this table in quite a nice fancy establishment, talking to some friends who I hadn't seen for a little while. And my phone buzzes in my pocket, and I got it out, and it, it's from Josh, and I was thinking that's strange Where? where's Josh I'm sure he went to the loo maybe he's gone to get another drink and the message said Tom and so I opened it and underneath it said ridiculous situation <laughs> 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 I've locked myself in the bathroom, and I like, I looked up from the table, and the bathroom door is like on the other side of the bar. But this is like middle of the day, a brightly lit sort of sunny gin bar in Exeter, no. and I just see this sort of lime green door just like moving slightly <laughs> as he's trying to get out.
1: Oh my god!
2: And then I had to go and um, tell the bar staff basically, yeah, I think my mate's locked himself in your loo. It was. <laughs>
0: One of the most embarrassing... Well,
2: how did they get you out?
0: So, luckily... They never did. Josh is still recording from that <laughs> bathroom. He's, t- <laughs> it was... he's still
2: in there. it well, so, well, so, has so, got everything you need. Luckily,
0: <laughs> luckily, the building was like... Oh, it's, it had this weird layout. I'm not sure to describe it properly on the audio, but um, basically it was like the back of the building was like an alleyway. Mm. So the building had kind of this like L shape and I was... Yeah. The, the bathroom was basically in the in the short bit of the L. Yeah, And right. there was luckily a window and... <laughs> There's on...
2: a window like 90 degrees to the window in yeah, the back of... Yeah, which is
0: where the kitchen was. So they had to lean through the, w- the kitchen window to the bathroom window <laughs> with a screwdriver to give me to take the lock off <laughs> with some dynamite to put in the lock yeah.
2: and then blow up. <laughs> now
0: uh, Luckily, I just took the lock off and I was and I was freed. <laughs> False imprisonment on your birthday. Uh, they gave
2: me a free
1: drink, so they
2: gave you. You a free destroyed
0: drink. their bathroom and they gave you, you should a free have drink. brought
2: more drinks from them. I don't. As penance.
0: I don't think. I think they said that this wasn't the first time that had happened or something. Oh wow. wow. What so, to, to you? No, I think this is my the first time. This has happened to you, is it, mate? Have a I, drink. I think there must must be an actual issue with the bathroom lock, which I completely circumvented by breaking it, and they thought that I was trapped there. They were the actual issue, <laughs> they were uh, like. He's, <laughs> so <gonna> <laughs> what you're
2: saying is you fixed the lock for them by breaking it.
0: No, <laughs> what, what I'm saying is is like before they thought they had a sprained ankle, and then they had you know they, they had to fix their, their their broken leg, and that also fixed the sprained ankle. <laughs> Something like that. This metaphor has gone too far. Um, <laughs> so, just I want to close this out by wishing my deep apologies to Crockett's gin bar and yeah I'm yeah, sure they're eagerly is. awaiting your return. I don't
1: think they are. <laughs> no, probably not. There's probably a picture of you behind the bar.
0: <laughs> but,
1: don't let this man
0: go to the loo. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's lucky because the downstairs loo has the same kind of lock on it, but there's no window, so I would—I I don't know what well, they would have <laughs> <laughs> You would, like you really would have still been in there.
2: How did you? How do you know it had the same luck on it? Did you try that one as well afterwards? Might go and have a free drink.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I think the next time I was in there, I, I observed it and I was like, "Huh, I could have like died." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you probably get a couple of minutes of oxygen in there. and You would have suffocated in the toilet. Luckily, I survived and I'm here to host this podcast with you guys. It's not lucky. Thank God. That is lucky. Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully, when the pubs reopen, you don't get trapped in any bathrooms. But um, that is that is just one of the best stories that I ever heard and when I when you told me that because I joined you guys later in the night uh, I didn't yeah. believe you I
0: thought you were having me on because it, <laughs> it was too funny I was like this is for a show or something this isn't real life but this is, this is real life I've often thought a lot of anecdotes from my life could make it into a sitcom certainly yeah. that's certainly
2: good oh my god the metal face sitcom we'll have to start writing some of this shit down oh uh,
0: I'd watch that don't know if anyone else would yeah. but I would <laughs> well so obviously now bars are opening again but only outdoors and that kind of yeah. constricts you to, to beer gardens really yeah it does Yeah, and one of the issues with the metal well not with the metal scene but with the metal what scene are the main issues of the metal scene the main is issue, the the biggest issue we're
1: facing <laughs> I really think is the issue.
0: how many metal pubs do you know that have a garden that is a good point the hatchet in Bristol that's the first one that I thought of in London the only one I can really think of is garlic and shots and that's not even a bar really that's a restaurant with a bar and the bar is metal oh, themed but yeah. the restaurant is the with the garden so it's kind of mixed yeah. as okay. and isn't that bar underground which is the furthest you can be from outside exactly that's, mm. that's just yeah. the Covid area in mm. It's COVID underground
2: day. the furthest you can be from outside I mean have you ever been to like a cave they're
0: that... normally outside no the entrance right? to the cave is outside yeah, the, the, cave cave itself is underground. the cave isn't outside well the entrance to buildings are outside yes but then when you're in the building you're inside
2: <laughs> unless you had a house inside a building when you're inside a cave you're not outside no right but what I'm saying is...
1: <laughs> this is worse than the death rash argument last week. Just so you know.
2: If you're in the midst of like a, you know, that cave in France with all the cave paintings in.
0: yeah, oh, yeah. If you're
2: in that cave, you're more outside. You're doing something more outdoorsy than if you're in a cellar. Very much inside.
0: So we're agreed that the underground cellar is the most inside you can be. Sounds like you just agreed with us.
2: Uh, yeah, no. A cave is outdoors. That's what I meant. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Oh mean, yes, not, but... <laughs> Wait, I think I might have lost track of my argument. I feel like you have.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> let's get back to the point, which is metal pubs need more beer gardens. It's a real shame. They do, not they? As well, because if you, if you imagine like Vikings drinking, where do you imagine it? It's like outside, you know, there's like a burning bunch of fire and, and torches. Exactly, yeah, you yeah. know. And like you're throwing axes and stuff, you've got like big horns full of mead. Mm-hmm. Why don't mm-hmm. we have that? But
2: for metal pubs? It's true, actually, yeah. Yes. A metal pub with like a massive amount of Real estate would be a would be an interesting place. Probably you know.
1: because they don't get a lot of traffic.
2: <laughs> and it's yeah. probably quite
1: expensive to have a big big uh, garden. Yeah.
2: I know. Do you ever wonder about that? Like what would it be like if everyone was into metal? If like, you know, rather than spoons, you had a spoon sized metal pub. That'd be great. Would that totally oh dilute the whole thing and destroy no, it? Or would that it. just be the best? Do you think I we'd would...
1: still like metal or do you think we would we're just purposely being anti mainstream? And we'd I be think doing would... the pop face, metal... Yeah, Wait, the pop face, metal face podcast. What am I saying? The, the indie face, face podcast. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, the indie face.
2: <laughs> well, I think like I'd still seek out underground, unusual stuff because I mean, you have the summaries in the metal scene where you say to someone, "Oh yeah, no, I quite like ghost written album." They go, "I don't like mainstream metal."
3: It's like, <laughs> yeah. "Well,
2: come on, man! It's all it's all already pretty weird,
3: you
2: <laughs> know." <Like>, yeah, <laughs> but there is also a certain pleasure in finding something that's very underground and different. It's part of. What's made the scene is people competing to find new sounds and weird sounds, right? Mm.
1: So we, w- we would all go to Metal Spoon's. Is what we're saying I would That's a good name for a pub. I want that Metal I, I'm claiming yeah. that No one take that
2: But <laughs> like, I would go there In like a Wearing a really extreme Band shirt And I'd be like Yeah yeah You guys think You're metalheads
0: <laughs> So you'd go there In your Taylor Swift shirt Because that's like The opposite of metal Yeah and... That's true <laughs>
2: <laughs> I already do kind of Enjoy doing this To be fair Where like Oh yeah you I meet somebody that. Who's a bit of a metal purist And you're like Oh yeah I like this band They're sort of like Industrial black metal And they're like Black metal can't be industrial That's against the ethos <laughs> <laughs> Against the law,
0: <laughs> the metal law, the
2: law of the underworld.
0: But yes, yeah, so I'm very excited to go back to pubs next week. Absolutely, cannot wait. Oh yeah, yeah, Yep, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that's a big, a big step back to reality. It is. I mean, you
2: think, like it's easy to. This happened last time as well. It's, like, it's very easy to forget how shit it was mm. all of the time, you know? As soon as you're kind of back in the real world, we're going to forget about all this coronavirus bullshit and being locked up for like over a year. Because it's just, I mean, there's not that much to say about it, is it? We're just, it was yeah. shit. And now we can go back and live our lives again.
0: Well, like, that's the thing, you know, like media in the 20s didn't talk about the pande- the flu pandemic which happened you know, a few years before that because it was just yeah. it was probably just so rubbish so you didn't want to yeah. have loads of media about it So <laughs>
2: exactly like you know you think about um, world events at that time the second world war is full of as tragic as it was it's full of interesting stories a pandemic is not
1: <laughs> yeah hasn't there been, there's been a lot of acts of heroism but not by us
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> we've been at home in our jogging box. I was
2: heroic for just staying
0: inside yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ordered a lot of dominoes that was my contribution to the local economy you kept extra dominoes <laughs> open. <laughs>
1: That's good, man. Another That's place where good. they've got a picture yeah. of you behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> but this time positively. Yes. <laughs> uh, and speaking of making plans, we are we already know when we're going to see each other, right? The weekend of the 24th of April? Oh, yeah. To see brilliant each other stuff. in person and touch each other's faces and oh, no. on each other, maybe? No, 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 no. And we've
2: been instructed by the people that we're meeting up with that there's a limit on how much we can talk about the podcast. We can acknowledge that it exists, but these people, for some reason, don't want a sort of five-hour live version of the podcast. What's up with that? I don't What's know. with that?
0: What's wrong? Who who would have such a ridiculous idea? Absurd. Pretty absurd. (laughs) I'm really excited (laughs) to stand 1.5 meters away from you guys. Uh, (laughs) No, Josh. (laughs) I will respect your wishes for now. Are we not going to spin in each other's mouths then? No, that that, that, 21st of June, you can do that. That's what I've got the. um... Okay, well,
2: speaking of spinning in each other's mouths and general degeneracy as a whole, why don't we talk about our first album this week Necrofilf's Devil's Breath? Necrophil for a death thrash band from Cleveland, Ohio, fronted by Zack Ripper, who some might know for the band Nunslaughter. I don't know who's <laughs> going to know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, Nunslaughter, big fan. The lyrics deal with outright degeneracy and filth. It's really a journey into the life and mind of society's sleazy underbelly. The music itself has all the speed and razor ass ferocity of thrash, with the crushing heaviness of death metal and just a little bit of grind in there to keep it ugly. Mm. The bass sound of this album is incredibly strong. It's right up there in the mix and that is one of many comparisons I think you can make with Motorhead. There's definitely something about this album that's very rock and roll despite the fact that it still sits firmly in extreme metal. This has been a real favourite of mine for years. Certainly not a top 10 but definitely want to come back to a lot. It stands alone as um, it achieves a level of unhingedness that I don't <laughs> think a lot of other music does. Uh. I can't help but love how messed up it is. Uh, I'm sure Sure, we're going to talk about the lyrical subject matter here, because it's certainly one of the things that makes this band really unique. So, let's dive right into it. Ben, I'd love to know what your impression of this is. Yeah,
1: so, like you say we're, we're going to have to talk about a lyrical subject matter. Let's just try to get through this <laughs> as quickly as we can uh. and then we can talk about some music, okay? Because <laughs> these
2: lyrics are fucking disgusting.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Re- they really, they really really, are.
2: So, for example, you've got songs like Worm Skull about a guy's brain being eaten by maggots. You've got a song like Crocodile, which is about that, that really horrendous drug in Russia that is a sort of synthetic heroin that gives you gangrene. Mm. You've got songs like Smear the Sleaze, which is just about the pure outright degeneracy of certain sexual acts and sexual behaviors
1: you need to stop josh looks like he's gonna be sick
2: <laughs> it's full of stuff like that and it, it, the album the album sounds like an infection feels
1: yeah well put uh-huh. that, that's a very great <laughs> describing it. yeah yeah so it would be a mistake to listen to this and then immediately toss it aside as just gross because I think yeah. there's a lot to unpack and a lot to think about here. And it's definitely made me think a lot this week. I've been asking a lot of questions like, is it intentionally nihilistic? Is it so gross that it works? And that's a good thing. But I think ultimately, the thing that I've kind of been thinking about really is is sort of the historical context of this kind of stuff. You know, back in the 80s, Slayer was okay, so sort obscene, of yeah. they were banned, right? Yeah. Whereas we talked about this last week in our fresh episode, some of Slayer stuff now seems a little bit quaint. It's definitely still out there, but it's not. It like, does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're kind of like, how did this get banned? Yeah. Like, and I wonder if, like, Necrofilth will be there in 10-20 years Mm. Um, I can't Mm. maybe they will I don't know but there is definitely something very gross about Necrophil's lyrics that really can make my skin crawl <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> they definitely they they achieve that don't they yeah and importantly
1: yeah. i think if throughout the next 15 minutes i refer to it as offensive i really do mean yeah. offensive in the way of like a bad smell rather than like mm-hmm. you know a, a dangerous ideology or like a promoting some heinous act and i think that necrophilth like i say it's gross people doing gross stuff and that's the way that it's offensive yeah. And it, it did kind yeah. of detract from my enjoyment of the music, personally. Like, I found it a bit kind of... It, uh, it pulled me out a bit,
0: yeah. quite a bit. Um, Josh, what, what, what did you think? I found this interesting also, because I listened to quite a lot of, I think, what most people would find, extreme music. And I've never been like, oh, this is too much. And I listened to this album, and I was like, okay, I found, I found the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Honestly, I struggled to like the album quite a lot, because like if it was a more classic death metal... Mm kind of vocal style, and I couldn't understand what he was talking about, fine. But because it was quite articulate, and honestly, musically, it's, it's really cool, and there's lots of interesting things going on. Yeah. And I will get to that later, but yeah. for me, it, it did... Like, I found the lyrics so gross, and kind of, like Ben says, offensive in a just... Not necessarily even...
2: In a sensory way. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Like yes. I actually felt a bit ill, like, when I was listening to it. Like, <laughs> it really... I'd, I'd never had yeah, that music sure. before so it's it, honestly on the one hand it's like a <laughs> quite an impressive artistic achievement but on the other hand yeah. like I didn't like it yeah. in that sense and I don't know I think it's it's it seemed to me like one thing when you have like you know Cannibal Corpse or something and they've got all these like horrible gross horror movie lyrics but that always feels kind of funny to me whereas like you know it seems like it's a bit over the top and ridiculous and I don't know why it might literally just be in the the vocal style but this Mm. felt a bit more like kind of mean spirited yeah I think to me maybe I I would say Because I I think you
1: and I, Josh, have probably been having similar, like, kind of Mm. debates in our heads this week. And um, (laughs) I I felt like maybe I narrowed it down a little bit for myself. And it's that there's descriptions of quite specific acts and stuff that's quite, like, real and very descriptive versus stuff that is... And another comparison that I kept making in my head um, in terms of the sound quality was like Dying Fetus, where I enjoyed the vocals on a musical quality, Yeah, I didn't understand right, them, so yeah, it didn't yeah. bother me. Whereas with Netflix, yeah. like you say, I totally understood everything he was saying. I got every word of it. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can't ignore it. So Tom. Defend yourself. Explain this. Explain this mess you've made. Why have well, you done so, this?
2: So the lyrics are obviously a big part of this. It's extremely sleazy and in places kind of like outright shocking. And I've been mean, thinking about this a lot recently, like, is it okay? I'd sort of listened to it and thought, like, wow, this is pretty shocking. The conclusion that I've basically reached is that just because a band portrays something, it doesn't mean that they endorse it. This... Feels to me like a really like a really sleazy and bleak seventies movie, which is sort of super dark and about like the underbelly of society. Right. Something like Taxi Driver or Dirty Harry. And funnily enough, Zach Ripper actually mentions Taxi Driver when he was interviewed about this album. Of like, this is like looking right down to where the absolute bottom of like people's moral character is. You know. Yeah. And so it sort of feels like a journey into that kind of world of darkness. And there is something about it where like we live in this world of moral angst every day. If you're trying to be just basically a decent person this is 25 minutes of being totally free of those sort of restrictions of morality. You know, and it's certainly controversial. Like, is that okay or is it not?
1: That is an interesting way to think about it, rather than, like, sort of taking it as a challenge, take it more Mm -hmm. as a chance to kind of just... Breathe out and be like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: and, and that's definitely what I feel when I listen to it. Is like a sense of relief and kind of like, obviously, it's very unhinged. You know, I think most people, if they want to get on with their lives, have to be fairly hinged. <laughs> <laughs> it's very unrestrained. We have to live in a fairly restrained way, and this is what a lot of metal does. And for me, I relate this quite closely to Motorhead in that respect. Like, you know, on Ace of Spades, one of my favorite albums of all time, so you've got songs like Fast and Loose. Dirty Love, Love Me Like a Reptile. All these songs were considered kind of offensive in their time. You know, Love yeah, Me Like a Reptile yeah, yeah. has a lyric like "I'm gonna sink my fangs into you," and read in the wrong context, that can really be like, "Yeah, that like you you could interpret that as like misogynistic even." But now we sort of view it as like, you know, it's rock and roll, as uh, you say. It's yeah, and it's lost a little bit of its sort of power to shock. I think this is actually the logical successor to Motorhead in a lot
1: of ways. Oh, no, really?
0: I feel because... like we skipped a lot of steps.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> one or two. Yeah. <laughs> like, like maybe an entire flight of stairs <laughs>
2: <laughs> because for me this does have a really rock and roll kind of sound to it I,
0: I don't know I, I think maybe this is just me being you know I'm clutching my pearls a bit here but like I think the difference between you know I'm going to sink my fangs into you and the sound like a kind of BBC journalist quoting some like offensive <laughs> yeah, publication like Chris <laughs> the, 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 what am the, I
2: supposed to make of this <laughs> yeah well
0: I don't know I'm going to sink my fangs into you is quite like, metaphorical and like not right. not that bad Mm. that the contents of some of the lyrics here are are not quite so metaphorical shall i say right
2: (laughs) that's true but i I think that none of these lyrics would feel that out of place on for example an episode of it's sort sunny in philadelphia which we do sort of permit because it's TV, and as I say with the comparison to movies and stuff, I think there's a tendency with music to kind of, to read it as a bit more serious and a bit more like genuine. You Do you know? think
1: it's because you get a bit more context with things like movies and TV shows? Yeah.
2: Now, see, if you're if you're writing a villain or you're writing a character like Frank Reynolds, you want them to be kind of degenerate, you want them to be effective, you want them to kind of have that on-screen gravitas of like total fear or like dislike or whatever. I think that this album is essentially the, the equivalent of a really sleazy on-screen villain. It's it's effective in that respect.
0: The difference, I think, though, and sorry, Ben, if I'm jumping in, but no, I think I, th- I think the, the difference for me is that if you make a film or you make a TV show, you construct this whole world full of characters. And in, in the world of, you know, Always Sunny, like yeah. everyone thinks Frank is a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. But in music, you, you don't have this whole world. You just have a tiny, mm. like kind of vertical mm. slice into that. Sure. And yeah. you you like you put music on a playlist because we kind of have this idea where like a song is a standalone object, you know? Mm-hmm. And you listen to that... And that's all you need. You, you go in for three minutes, you, you listen to it, and you're done. And that's the view into the world you get. And it's not mm. necessarily attached to anything else. Whereas we don't really put, like, I guess you do a bit of YouTube. It's not like you can go on Netflix and queue up all your favorite bits of Frank being a frank frank reynolds in always mm. being being a sexist or something and like what's your all those you know it's it's yeah. it's always in the context of the wider show yeah yeah okay let like you true. say you have those that other
1: characters true. that you can see the reflection of these mm. bad elements in and you can see the like the corruption they bring to normal people i guess
2: okay now see I, I i think these are all good points but i suppose i think that music can do that as well i think that like an album like this can stand alone as like a villain in a world of mm. you know sort of music that's kind of okay. permissible do you know what i mean and like I I think as I say it's about intention and it's about interpretation I don't think that this guy is actually like a piece of shit I think he's sort of he's living in his he's creating a sort of a world you know what I mean and it's about interpretation I view this in that context of like this is like the musical equivalent of Frank Reynolds from It's Always Sunny somebody else might hear this and on the one hand be like this is offensive to me and I don't like it on the other hand might be like this supports my world view and I'm gonna go and do something terrible you know, you can't control how people are going to interpret it. You can only control the intention of what you put out there. Interesting enough, their new album is cutting back on a lot of that sort of um disgusting lyrical, like debauchery sort of thing. It's called Worm Ritual. It's got a bit more of the kind of toxic holocaust sort of sound, though. It's not as like doesn't feel as kind of raw. And so, um, so the singer says of it, there's still some gross stuff in there, but it's difficult to offend someone these days about. Being really mean, and that's just not fun for me. We've never written about violating consent or causing anyone harm, but there are some songs which, read in a certain light,
0: I didn't like. interesting enough, Tom, when when you when you show me the um the the stuff by, by Zach in in the pre-show, yeah. um it actually made me see the album in kind of a new light. Uh, where, oh, that's interesting. yeah, I mean, I st- I'm not going to pretend I was a huge fan of of, of the lyrical content. I, I wasn't. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but yeah. it was really interesting to see, like, to kind of hear from him about about um you know his process behind it, and that that did change yeah. it a bit for me. I think that's kind of interesting when when you kind of imbue it with the context of the creation it becomes very different. I definitely wasn't offended by
1: it. I, like we said in some of the previous episodes, it's kind of hard to offend me and I'm kind of, I'm happy to let art be art. And it can be yeah. almost anything in that space. But I think the fact that this made me uncomfortable and the fact that it made me think a lot more than I thought it would um, is a good <laughs> thing. And I think it would have been wrong of me. And I think going to the listeners out there, <laughs> yeah, if, if you listen to this and immediately you think, gross, I want to turn it off, like fine, you can do that. But yeah. I think some of the things that we've talked about are important questions, which we may not have done an amazing job of answering. And it's mm. probably something that we're going to come back to.
3: Yeah, definitely. But I think
1: it's good to ask those sorts of questions. And mm. you don't have to like the music. You don't have to listen to it but the kind of boundaries that are being pushed here I think are are important it's worth answering and asking and answering these questions
2: but we should talk about the music though because we've talked about the lyrics there was music on this album (laughs) (laughs) but for me like you know not gonna lie uh, these lyrics on an album that I didn't like would be you know I don't like it because of the lyrics. The lyrics are just part of it that pushes it over. I'm they do they marry very well together, though. The music itself, without the lyrics, you know, if you just think about the vocal style, it still sounds like an infection.
1: So it's, can you yeah. expand on that? Because I think that's a really good metaphor. It sounds like an infection. <laughs> so... <laughs> What does that mean?
2: There's something about it that sounds, it sounds very sharp. Mm. You've got that kind of real growling, kind of pounding along like drums of uh, death metal. Yeah. It has a real kind of gallop to it. And the bass sound on this is incredible. Like, you know, that bass sound, it kind of just like, it just vibrates through the mix. It's like right up there, really distorted. He's playing it like Lemmy played it, like a guitar. And then the vocals are kind of a mix of like, he's sort of shrieking it out, but it's not controlled at all. He's just like fucking bellowing like you have with like a punk band. But, this still very much sits in that metal world, you know? And there's almost moments where he's singing and it's almost like the music is just about to get away from him. It it sounds completely unhinged all the way through
0: yeah no i know what you mean it's it's definitely got that kind of death thrash punky sound to it yeah yeah, um, yeah. it's pretty wild the, the vocalist's like voice really fits mm. the kind of tone and i think mm. honestly like genuinely if this was just like an album about like you know um wholesome stuff i'd probably <laughs> i'd really be singing his praises <laughs> right now because uh, ha- really? oh, that's interesting yeah ha- has it has a really unique kind of sound to it and yeah um I mean, in particular, like you say, the 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 tone of it all has this very kind of raucous, bleak feel. It, it definitely has a unique atmosphere to it, which is not something I'd kind of expect in in this genre.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I I genuinely I find this really unique. It's unique even in their discography, which is a slight disappointment to me because they, like they've got a whole bunch of splits. They've got um about. I think, like, two or three full-length albums, uh, the latest one being Worm Ritual, and I feel like it does feel slightly more restrained. This sits at that kind of perfect point where it's all the elements at once, but I feel like I wish there was an album between Worm
1: Ritual and this album. Yeah, see, I feel like by that description, maybe I should try Worm Ritual. That Mm. sounds... Given how much I did did like Toxic Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm. maybe I should give that a go. Yeah, I think you guys have kind of covered it for me as well. Like, I think um, I did like the sound of it. I liked the, uh, the really grindy, distorted guitars and bass. Um, yeah. and the bass being really high in the mix. And like you say, being played like a guitar almost, that was brilliant. Yeah. Lots of variation, lots of interesting parts in the music. Yeah, and I-, I liked the sound of the vocals as well. I do... Yeah. <laughs> this is the last thing I'm going to say on the lyrics. <laughs> I do feel like <laughs> the vocals almost weren't extreme enough for the subject matter, but now, they see, did fit the music well.
2: That's interesting because I think that quite often, Death metal vocals, I find they fall a little bit flat. Now, I think here's here's the reason why. There's real virtuosity to around like guttural vocals. Anyone who has taken the piss out of metal and then immediately tried to sing like that will have realised that pretty fast. Yeah. And they go, "Ah, oh, it's all screaming, though, isn't it?" And you say, "Well, all right, why don't you give it a go?" And then they go, "Oh, okay, that's not that easy after all." <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> <hard. laughs> so there's real virtuosity in that mm. sort of death metal and particularly like deathcore kind of vocals. Mm. And the reason why I think this works is that it's still As I say, has a lot of that kind of rock and roll in it, so it doesn't feel like a virtuoso vocal performance at all.
1: It is that it's that dark side of rock and roll, isn't it? Like it. It feels like a very
2: natural performance. It's almost black and roll, you know.
1: Almost.
0: Uh, I don't know.
2: (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's giving it too much credit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I do still feel that you know rock and roll had like ultimately quite like a kind of. I was going to say the words pro life, but that's that's not what I mean. Uh, pro <laughs> <That's> existing, quite... <laughs> pro <laughs> yeah. having a good time, um, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Pro, I don't think yeah. this
2: album is about like. I don't think it's anti life. I think it's like it's pro
0: anti peace and anti life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's. I think this album is about like be alive and do disgusting shit while you're alive. I think there's a real lust for life in there. There's a a real need to like get into the dirt and eat all the worms you find in there. You know. Yeah,
1: I just. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm not ready for it. Maybe that in... wasn't my perspective, but that's no. fair enough. No, yeah, I think um, we could talk about this a lot. Yeah, right? which is a good yeah. thing, right? You know, mm. I mean, yeah. And do you know what? But um... <laughs> one last thing. One more thing. There, there have been times this week where I have softened my opinion quite a bit. And it's happening right now. And then I put on one of the songs and I go, oh, no, it is actually really gross. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean.
3: And I think like
2: I, my friend Jake showed me this album while we were still living in uh, Plague House in Josh. Do you remember those days? I do.
1: How could I forget? This is the right place to listen to that. (laughs)
2: Exactly, yeah. And we were drinking, uh, you know, do you remember when we ran out of alcohol and the only thing we had to drink was that bottle of whiskey with all the ants at the bottom that crawled in through the window? I didn't
0: drink that. (laughs) I remember that happening.
2: And when you pick up a plate and there'd be a family of slugs underneath it.
1: You drank that whiskey with Seb, by the way. I just want to clarify that memory for you. um, Because I think before you said it was Josh and it was was definitely Seb. I'm sure it is. If it isn't Seb, tell me. But I'm sure it was you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was Seb.
2: Now, see, when you're living in that kind of state... (laughs) (laughs) Which I I have been for a long time. And certainly when I used to wash dishes and spend a lot of time fingering plug holes and things like that. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes all the food gloop, like it fills up the plug hole so Mm. enormously that you kind of just have to get couple of fingers Uh in there and scoop it all out. Yeah. Um, It's disgusting, yeah. This
1: is giving me the same feeling that Necrofit did.
2: Yeah, when you're in that kind of state, this is the the music you want to listen to. This makes you feel better about your life.
1: Should we, um...
2: (laughs) Should we do favourite tracks? (laughs) Uh. That's a good point. What was your favourite track then?
1: I think if I had to listen to some of these songs again um, I would listen to Go and Crave the Grave I liked those songs
2: you are gonna have to listen to these songs again <laughs> when I come round to your house again
1: I liked Smear the Sleeves. it was probably one of my favourite tracks musically but alongside yeah. Junkie Cunt and I'm a Degenerate those were songs <laughs> that I liked musically but the lyrics just made me go like oh did you have to did you have to write that it would have cost yeah. you nothing not to write yeah. those lyrics
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah how about you Josh I'm kind of in the same boat you there are a couple of songs where i was like i could get into this but like they were just i mean i'm not afraid to say i found the lyrics quite offensive in those so it did turn me off yeah. you know and but crave the grave was was a good track i thought that was, that was cool stump sounded the death metal kind of lyrical themes felt yeah it's bizarre when, like, killing someone and watching them right away is is, is, is like, the wholesome end of an album.
2: <laughs> I would have to say, if I wanted to pick a favourite track, I don't know, I like the whole album. I really can't decide. I think um, Death Rush stands out, Junkie Cunt stands out, but in general, if I'm listening to this album, I'm normally listening to the whole thing. I don't know, maybe that's a shortcoming of the album, that there isn't just, like, I wouldn't necessarily put a song on a playlist. I yeah, kind of want the whole it's experience.
0: It's shortcoming of the album that you like but, it yeah. all too much. No, I, I have found it really interesting, actually, this week listen to this album because this is the yeah. first time in my life i've been offended by music mm. where i've been like this is fucking mm. disgusting this should you know i was like this yeah. should not have been made
2: well it just sounds yeah strange, doesn't it? you know there's bits where like it sounds like he's fucking vomiting while he's singing yes. you know? yeah <laughs>
1: i often think you and i tom have quite a lot of overlap in our music taste but this is definitely one which is not in that overlap For me. It was it was interesting, but I don't think I liked it. Fair. (laughs) So our second album this week, much less gross, is Pervogenesis by the Kristet Unseen. So, released in 2013, Pervogenesis is the fifth and seemingly final studio album by the now defunct Swedish punk metal band. The Christet und Sint. The band were active from 1991 until 1999, taking a quick, just a quick six year hiatus there, um, reforming in 2005 (laughs) and remaining active until 2018. So I think I already kind of know what you guys think of this. So I think we're all now hoping for a reunion again, maybe in another Mm. four years to give them another six year break. As I say, the band are in fact Swedish. Last week I said they were Norwegian and I've been saying that for years. So, um, apologies for that. <laughs> their name translates to mean the Christian appearance, and their lyrics mm. often deal with themes such as Christianity, drugs, sex, and my favorite, mysticism. Mm. And they've self described their music as narcotic gay metal as a result Brilliant. of those kind of influences, which I think is a pretty cool name for a genre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I'm going to start with Tom. What did you think of this?
2: Well, this was a really interesting album. This was uh, you know, a classic thing that I had of like first listen through, I thought, yep, yeah, cool, you know, good. Second lesson started to stand out a bit more and now i think it's it's had the same kind of feather that rotten christ had where the more i've listened to it the more i've appreciated the sound and kind of started to dig it so yeah. they describe it themselves as um punk metal yeah. now there's a lot of overlap with punk and metal right so something like thrash or grindcore there's a lot of like punk influences but to actually kind of fuse a couple of genres and have punk metal it is slightly a different thing it reminded me of some european punk bands that i know the one. That springs to mind is um and Fish Fillet,
3: <laughs> which is a uh, okay. <laughs> a German
2: punk band, but they're very heavy, sort of you know well produced metal kind of sound, still yeah. kind of very punk vibe. It reminded me of the Offspring in places. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. This album has an excellent atmosphere. It opens mm. with this thunder clap, and then yeah, it just for rolls sure. into this kind of double like bass drum beat that goes on through the song. Yeah, it just instantly got me in mind of like this sort of party at the end of the world. And there's something about this right and stay with me on this there is something about this album that feels like it's like a judgment at the end of the world it feels like it's sort of writing the wrongs casting down the tyrants knocking down the statues it feels like a party at the end of the world and it feels like it's yeah. it's righteously judging all the people who have fucked up the world for the whole of human history <laughs> and also at the same time it's completely
1: fun yeah wow yeah no that's a good that is a good summary i like that josh can you follow that
0: <laughs> i I'll be honest. I don't think I've got quite the same colourful description of it. I just really, for me, this album. I don't know why it, it evokes this image of me being in kind of like a middle-sized venue that's about half full. I've mm-hmm. got like a pint of lager in like a plastic glass in my yeah, hand. I've had a few oh, too many, lovely. and I'm just like belting out all the tracks.
3: Yeah,
2: man. <laughs> I don't know
0: why. It's just that exact feeling is summed up with this album, and mm-hmm, like. Yeah. It's weird because when I listen to the tracks, when I listen to the album, it doesn't sound like music I'd like. You know, it's it's quite straightforward. It's quite you know, right. and, and it's it's weird because it somehow sounds like everything. <laughs> I think Tommy said this in the pre-show it sounds like everything, but like it still sounds really cool, and unique. Like it, it Absolutely, I can't nail yeah. it down at all. It's so yeah. it's weird because it's 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 so minimalist as well. Like it's almost all mm. just like guitars and drums and vocals.
1: It's, it's amazing that you say it, Josh. Like after what Tom said about how it's it's everything at once and it's so all-encompassing. But you're right. It's they they do have like sound effects and stuff in the album but they are quite minimal yeah. and it is very much like guitar based drums vocals
2: and it reminded me actually uh, particularly reminded me of gruzia not in terms of the sound i don't think it sounds like them but in terms of the attitude towards the music that they're making yeah, there's
1: a real emotionality in gruzia which i think is here as well yeah
2: and the willingness to include random elements in the music it's very experimental but it still sits in exactly the world that you kind of expect it to sit in
1: yeah yeah no yeah i, I know what you mean it's mm. um uh, i mean I wish we had a better way of saying this, but it is that that element of, I've heard something like this before, but I've never heard anything like this.
0: It's like nostalgic yeah, for music is, that isn't? you never heard before. Yeah. Th- I don't <laughs> know why. I,
1: yeah, I had a real... I know what you mean, the nostalgia element
0: of it. Like, so, I feel like I've seen them live. I feel like I've been in a concert with them. I feel like I, I listened I to this band live. I really wish I had, man. And yeah. I never- I know, right? Like, I i like I listened to this and I was like, I want to see them live. It would have been like, so that much fun. Oh my god.
2: I Actually, one of the first things I did when I listened to this band was went and looked up their live shows, because I couldn't conceive of what these people could possibly look like on stage.
1: <laughs> what was and it like? They, yeah, did they deliver? There
2: was one show where they were all sort of dressed as like monks or something.
1: That sounds- that seems about right.
2: Yeah, another one where it's literally just this kind of like 50-year-old guy with like slick back hair, just like and a big beer belly, like singing at the front of the stage. That's, That's what I you want, it. isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you want a fat guy singing this for some reason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I um I think as well I was trying to do a bit of research on the band there's not a lot out there but um mm. I believe for a while they were being paid in beer and spirits for their Amazing. shows
0: <laughs> I th- I think a lot of bands when they're starting out in particular get I I I've been paid in drinks for shows you know <laughs> it was a particular like noted point on their
1: in their history where they turned from actually accepting money I think it might have been quite late in their like career it might have been around this album where they were like we might need to make some money for this. <laughs>
0: it, it's weird, though, because, like, I, I kind of can't imagine, it, like, obviously, they, they aren't, like, a household name. But, like, they're super listenable. Yeah. You could totally yeah. have them on I, the radio. Yeah. I
1: don't know how I came across this band, but mm. I've been listening yeah. to them for, like, the last couple of years. And I just want to say, like, just having a moment here where, when we started this podcast, this was one of the bands that I immediately was like, I want to bring this band. And I want to talk about it. Oh,
2: that's them. interesting. And yeah, I, yeah. I wanted
1: to hold off for a little while because I wanted us to be able to do them justice because I knew, oh, well... I knew I loved this band and I hoped yeah. that you would as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was really sold on it's on the second song
1: Count Dynamo Beirut.
2: That's the one, yeah. The fucking saxophone or whatever wind instrument oh, is yeah. on that is fucking amazing. I think <laughs> one thing is like a slight missed opportunity to just keep that going through the whole album. I could have had that on every song in a way. You know what mm. I mean? Like, and it reminded me of, um, you know, the all time greatest band, Oingo Boingo. At of course. Points, yeah. You know, there was a real kind of parallel in terms of that kind of soulful, funny, slight nostalgic party, also kind of dramatic and bleak mm. uh, all at once, you know? Yeah. I'd love to see them, imagine them covering Oingo Boingo. That'd be cool. Oh, That'd be stop. so cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, um, it's interesting that we give so much credit to the emotion and the feelings that this music gave us when yes. they sing yeah. almost entirely in Swedish throughout the entire album. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I know you guys well enough to know f- you don't speak Swedish. And yeah. I... So I'm normally that person who will immediately look up the lyrics to to music. I want to know. And I couldn't do it this week. I couldn't find them. I found them for a couple of songs and they were really good, the translation that I found. But not being able to find it for most of the album really made me take it in a different way. And I was focusing more on sort of like the... The inflection of the voice and, and the way they were singing yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's just amazing that we all are sitting here being like, Oh yeah, I felt nostalgia and I felt there was so much anger and there was so much beauty and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but we
0: didn't understand very much of what was said. <laughs> I was say it's interesting because the lyrics here, as far as i remember aware, could have been necrophil's lyrics and I wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's just amazing how it doesn't give that like just the way it's sung, I guess, just like doesn't give that impression.
0: Yeah, it feels nice. Yeah, it feels pleasant.
1: And I think, yeah, I love that it. it's got that it's got that part vibe it's got that warmth like Aaron Achilla, the first song on the album is an amazing song I love that song it's probably one of my favorite tracks of all time and I think I just love anything with like chanting in it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like any kind of like rhythmic chanting I just I love I know it. it's
2: that parallel of Rotten Christ particularly in that yeah. song David Avan and Aaron Chula.
1: yeah no yeah and just very um like catchy and I like um I like to sing along to things
2: I think um also that you know the sound clips at the start of the song like you know what is that one where it's like what what is your bottom line that in 1950, a craft containing non-human species landed in Roswell.
1: That might be Dogen Star because that's the um yeah. the song yeah. that's all about like the UFO conspiracies.
2: Just having that little bit of context sets it up pretty nicely, and grindcore yeah. does this as well, where yeah, grindcore you're not supposed to understand the lyrics, but you have a little context for the song based on the title and based on the sound.
1: Yeah, and I did notice that they use that a lot throughout the album. A yeah. lot of songs start with like a quick sound clip. What's that other one? I'll bring you total fucking devastation or something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah. what is it i can't remember but there's a lot of them in there like um you know we have the opportunity to craft for ourselves a new world order. and
1: and i immediately know like the song that that's from that's bilderberg, bilderberg like, yeah mm-hmm. recognize it by you know the association yeah. with the name it of the has one, this but...
2: kind of feeling of like relevance to like uh 20th century history and stuff doesn't it i i gotta say mm. but how long have you known about this album and how well do you know the album is this their pinnacle album is it the only one you know or so
1: i've known like I say, about the band for a couple of years. This is definitely my favourite album because I know the most tracks from it, but I've always sort of listened to their top tracks. And I was actually, like, relieved that listening through this, like, I knew the first five tracks, like, definitely... And then getting into like the second half of the album, I didn't really know those tracks. So I was right, really yeah. relieved that I feel like they did maintain the quality. There was yes. a little bit of sameness in there maybe, but yeah. there was a lot of like variety there as well. So yeah, I was relieved upon listening to the entire album that like <laughs> they kept up the quality.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what were your favorite tracks in the album?
1: Uh, I would say Aaron Achilla is probably my favorite track by the band. Mm. But it's almost like a little bit not worn. It's not as I'm sick of it, you know. But yeah, it's yeah. I, I've heard it a lot and listening to it this week, there were two tracks that really stuck in my head that I really liked. Pervo Genesis, the title track of the album. Yeah, same. It's almost like a little bit slower and it kind of feels like it takes Mm. a bit more patience. I feel like Dogenstar or Bilderberg are a bit more like immediate payoff. Yeah. But Pervo Genesis like builds and it has such an emotional payoff Mm. that Mm. like it doesn't immediately grab you. But then by the end of it, it could like totally break you if you listen to it at the right time. For real. How about you, Tom? What would be your favorite tracks?
2: Honestly, it's pretty hard to choose. I felt like there was so much strong stuff in this album. I would say like off the top of my head, the stuff that I remember. Count Dynamo Beirut, just that saxophone bit. Absolutely love it. Pervo Genesis exactly the same it just builds and builds and then non-becoming as well the one mm. was one that jumped out as me as oh, like yeah i wasn't That's... expecting it but yeah that was
1: uh yeah that was nice i think that was one of the only tracks that was like entirely in english i think yeah oh but so yeah. it is yeah
2: and you know it... i didn't even i didn't even think about that because it's not it's not relevant to how good the song is, is yeah it? and <laughs> again there's a lot
1: of there's a lot of chanting there's a lot of like really yeah. drawn back yelling in that track yeah, which, yeah, yeah. like
0: yeah it's so catchy I love it. Um, how about you, Josh? What would you say? Yeah, so I'm pretty much the same as Tom. My favourites were Count Dano Beirut and Non Becoming, but I also oh, okay. really liked uh Bilderberg. I thought that was really Yeah, attractive. Bilderberg's yeah. great. I was, like, really liked all the different tones it had, you know, like Builderbergs are like, quite like minor key, creepy sounding, and then like Count Dynamo Beirut's a bit more fun sounding. It's great.
1: Yeah, I think both Bilderberg and Dogenstar have that like cheesy element of like quite yeah. you know out there conspiracies. But it's great. I love it.
0: <laughs> for sure, yeah. The
1: outro of Bilderberg when it's like um, ladies and gentlemen, this is a message from Her Majesty's Institute yeah. for brainwashing. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. It so was good. almost like two on the nose, but I just It is it.
2: a It is a little too on the nose.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where the rest of the album is so good that you can let it Yeah, oh, I forget if it. If the carries. rest of the album was bad, you'd be like, "Oh, and of course they've done this." But because yeah. it's good, you're like, "Brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm so I'm so pleased that you both liked it. This has yeah. been one that I I've, yeah. I've held off sharing with you because I wanted to do it on the podcast and yeah. now every time we're at a house party or something, I'm going to be putting on Count Dynamo Beirut. Yeah, love it. Oh yeah.
0: All right, so what's up next? Up next Next we have Shadow of Intent's album, Reclaimer. Shadow of Intent are a death band from Connecticut, USA. And they founded in 2013. The name Shadow of Intent is actually referenced to the Halo series of games. So bonus points if you got that. And (laughs) much of of their music focuses on the storyline and the lore from these games. And the kind of wider Halo universe as is expressed through kind of comics and novels and mini web series and things like this. Mm. Reclaimer is the second of their three studio albums. And I can get into the, the deep lore and significance of what a Reclaimer in the Halo world is. I hope we wait for you want. Please do, yeah, no, but
2: s- t- tell us what the music's like first, Josh. Oh, uh, fine.
0: I suppose that's important too, isn't it? <laughs> so yeah, this, this is the second of three of the three studio albums. The most recent one being Melancholy, which is a bit less Halo themed, I believe. <laughs> a bit less.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like most albums. Yeah, m- like
0: m- compared to most albums, it's, the, it's 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 probably more <laughs> Halo themed than average. But you know, <laughs> I like this a lot because it's this kind of a um, part of a what I am going to term a new movement in deathcore or it's oh, very maximalist. Okay. Yeah. A lot of synth, a lot of vocals. It's very fast. Mm-hmm. They just they do everything and they don't they don't light up the whole time and I'm a big fan of that kind of sound. Nice. But I'm also aware that you guys aren't necessarily the big fans of deathcore in the world, you know? You. So, and this is our first <laughs> this is our first deathcore album on the on the podcast, I believe. So, I really understand what think you think. So, um, Yeah, that's true actually. Ben, what did you think?
1: Okay. So, I think this is probably the most straightforward album we covered this week, in a way, but yeah. there's still a lot a lot going on here, which I really liked, which surprised me. Yeah. Because when you said last week there was Def Court, I immediately put up my uh, my energy shield. Is that a Halo thing? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought, like, oh, here we go, you Def threw Court, some but... uh, Cheetos and Mountain Dew at him. <laughs> <laughs> made a cheesy dust cloud to escape him. Um <laughs> Yeah, The um, there's a lot of like really operatic elements throughout this album that I think really elevated it. I think maybe since the issue that I've had with deathcore before is that maybe it didn't feel epic enough for like how serious mm. I felt the the vocal style was, yeah, but like that really yeah. guttural deathcore growl. But I feel yeah. like the these symphonic elements and the kind of operatic elements to this really elevated it. And just to, like, give my intro, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think this is an interesting one. I mean, like, we, we looked at Dying Fetus a couple of weeks back. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think that it's, like, um, it, it's not a huge distance away from something like Dying Fetus. I oh, think no. that Deathcore lives in, like, a slightly different world conceptually most of the time. And the the vocal... It was like a bit of a cleaner
1: world. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It does have that slightly more... What's the word? Refined. Yeah, it's more refined. It's it's better produced. The vocals tend to be, most of the time, in a slightly sort of higher register. I didn't find that so much of this album. I felt like it was covering... I, a massive massive range. And I, I got to say as somebody who's not a deathcore fan, and let me just preface that by saying that like uh Bring Me The Horizon, I was around when they were big, I wasn't into that. I don't know if that's even considered deathcore anymore. A Suicide Silence, I kind of like Ben, you make an interesting point of like deathcore for me has always lacked like the sort of spirituality that maybe you get with like sort of atmospheric death metal and like black metal. It lacks the kind of rock and roll element that I like with like thrash and with like a whole bunch of other genres. But I did actually really like this album. I felt like, you know, it's it's just difficult to not like how technically proficient it is. Every time you put a song on, you can just listen to it and you're not getting swept up into like this sort of, you know, scene or like zone so much as like you can just hear the music. But some thing that this album did really well as you say is elevate it with all these kind of epic moments using like they've got like a fucking harpsichord in there they've got all these classical elements and stuff and it does feel at points a little bit battle metal which I yeah. like.
1: Mm. Yeah, and, and even with those classic deathcore, well, even with those elements that I would call classic deathcore, not being a deathcore fan. No, right. Like the guttural vocals, they, they play around with it. It's Sometimes there's really slow, heavy vocal parts and then there's yeah. like bits where he's speaking so fast it's almost like... It's practically rapping in, in parts, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> right. so yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, that, that part almost gave me like a... um If you took Anil Nathrak and like polished it up uh, and cleaned up yeah, all the filth, yeah, I'd yeah, be yeah. like, this is like Anil
0: you know? I can see that. Josh,
2: I want to ask you, what is is the definition or rather your definition of deathcore
0: so deathcore is an interesting one for me because it's it's one of these genres where until recently no band would admit to being a deathcore band and it was kind of this like pejorative term right? Yeah. But it's really it's it's kind of it's a hard one because there it's not like a clear line but it's basically um, death metal with kind of a punky beat a lot of the time so like you hear you have the kind of uh, punk like skank beat as, as, as the main thing rather than like a standard death metal blast blast beat mm. and there's lots of breakdowns and things like that. Mm. Yeah. No yeah so classic examples of bands like you say Suits of but also All Shall Perish uh, more recently Dayata's Murder are one of the biggest bands yeah. in the scene and they I think they had a big influence in defining the kind of modern current death metal sound. A okay. lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, people sometimes... Yeah, I, I ran into someone recently who I said, oh, you yeah, know, I'm into metal and stuff, and he was like, oh, you must love Dot Thire as them. I was like, I've never fucking heard of them, mate. You know, well, I have heard of them. <laughs> yeah. I've never listened to them, sorry. And, but I and think, then you so, threw yeah,
1: your drink in his face and walked away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Defcore lives in slightly, a slightly different world, doesn't it? To, like, um sort of traditional styles. And it's interesting that you talk about the yeah. like punk beat, because I love a good punk beat. I've never got that from deathcore. Maybe I'm listening to the wrong bands, the Drumming always sound very technical in deathcore. Yeah.
0: I do see what you mean. I, I, th- I, I think I'm... think w- i So when you hear it, so I'm, I'm thinking of um a, um, a Psycathar as a murder song when I hear it in my head. And it's very much like the same kind of feel, but it's not quite so splashy. It's like a more technical, refined version. Because it. it's not hugely so, rock
2: and roll, is it? Defqor,
0: oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. It, it's very it's very much a, um, a... It shares a lot of things like technical mm, metal. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Def- so
0: that, that rock and roll point, that's come up a lot this
1: episode. And correct me if I'm wrong, are we saying rock and roll that sort of loose fun like kind of almost craziness to it whereas maybe this it's like
2: gallopy it's got a kind of rhythmic should we, should we use our of...
1: one of our favourite words raucousness to it yeah whereas I feel like this album and maybe Death Corps and, and a lot of we feel like modern genres like technical death metal are very, um very tight and very like there's less raucousness to it. It's very, very tight. Like,
2: rock and roll, yeah. rock and roll is loose.
0: It ha, it, yeah, I, it's I think, gotta I, be think loose. It's, I, I don't want to turn this into into the deathcore phase podcast. I, th- I think next season maybe we could we get to do a deathcore special. Um <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, I, I'm definitely. I, That'd I, be I yeah let's do that judges eyes (laughs) just like (laughs) widened Um, no yeah so I think early deathcore had a bit more of a raucous feel I I think it's interesting how it's evolved now so um, just to give you a quick kind of very super brief history of the genre it kind of started out with bands like uh, Bring Me The Horizon and All Shall Perish and then kind of turned from that kind of like quite that sounded quite loose in a different way but in a probably more like it sounded very extreme like Suicide Silence it
2: did yeah Bring Me The Horizon like you know and I'm like Suicide Season I actually like the last time I listened to that album which was probably a over a couple of years ago I remember thinking this is actually still pretty strong and it it does like it does kind of still work quite well as an album like I'm not gonna lie it's not yeah no I mean
0: it's it's one of those things where it's like as a genre, I think it's been really unfairly underrated and maligned because there's a lot of good, Strong, yeah, definitely. But... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and, and like
2: uh... it's considered like the hair metal of its age, right? It is. I, I honestly
0: don't know it's why. It's a
1: bit of a meme, isn't
0: it? Like <laughs> I've, I've, I, I, don't want to sound like a hipster. I've always liked deathcore. I thought I always thought it was cool. I liked it before it was cool. Oh, it was never yeah. cool. So, um... <laughs> oh, okay, fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> but is that true? Because
2: it is kind
0: of. Cool. It was yeah, huge. Yeah. I feel like it became. It became really huge. It, In the kind of mid-section of its life cycle, with with kind of bands like Without Is Murder, I think they were one of the first big deathcore bands. So I I did some research just before now. Without Is Murder were the first metal band ever to get on the Australian, like, ARIA charts.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So, like, they were, like, there's been this huge kind of movement around it. and Now we're kind of in this final stage with bands like Shadow of Intent and other bands also like Brand of Sacrifice, where it's this very maximalist, super operatic, symphonic kind of sound. And it, it, I think yeah. it's it, it's in a really good place now as a genre.
1: Maybe this is just our perception and Tom being in the
0: sub the sub genre where we think it's not cool because it is popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, this album's got loads and loads of really cool tracks, but I think it's very interesting hearing songs like The Return, mm. which are quite, almost sing along in the chorus compared to something like yeah. The Prophet's Beckoning, which is this very kind of sad, melancholic, but still very epic feel. Yeah. With that big solo, which is something you don't really mm. see in, in, in a lot of kind yeah. of modern kind of uh, deathcore and things. You know, it's not something you really associate with the genre. Yeah, they're definitely willing to push the yeah. boundaries on. On the genre.
2: I think that this feels like um so I, I love technical death metal. This feels like a very fresh yeah. version of technical death metal. I would almost say that there's not that much delineation between deathcore and no, death I metal, metal at agree. some points, to be honest. It reminded me a lot of Dying Fetus. And I think that, you know, you've got like about four guest vocalists on this album, right? I'd heard of a couple of them just yeah. from like <laughs> seeing them on YouTube doing like vocals and things, you know. It seems like there's something fresh about this genre, there's something really vibrant about it. I think that this, like, you know, it almost, as I say, sounds a little bit battle metal and I'd, I'd be interested to hear other stuff in this genre because like it's just on the edge of something that i might like and i kind of can't figure out why it doesn't tip mm, over into something yeah. that i really like
0: that's interesting so this kind of recent wave of deathcore is really summed up by i think this band uh, another band called lorna shore more recently and they're not such a big huge um kind of force in the scene but they're, 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 they're really rising up now a band called Brand of Sacrifice, and they they all have this big maximalist, heavy, okay, you know, riffy music with lots of lots of orchestral elements.
2: Yeah, maximalist and, yeah. is a good name for it because like it sounds like there's a huge willingness to, as I say, bring in extra vocalists, orchestral elements, stuff like that. Yeah, and I think
0: that's really for me that's the big strength of this album and, and of the genre. But in this album in particular, I, th- I think it really shines through when you've got like you got like slammy stuff like in I think uh, the descent, the the comparison yeah. there to like the kind of wider epic feeling. And that's a really interesting contrast. And I don't know that many things to do that.
1: This might be what...
0: Tips deathcore over for me and something
1: I can actually really get into. Oh really? Like it's, yeah, it's definitely having those um having those extra elements and it, leaning into the epicness a bit more. I think that that was maybe what what, what was missing for me.
2: It's interesting you say that about deathcore because one of my deathcore tracks that I do actually go back to is "Football Season Is Over" mm. by Bringing the Horizon on Suicide Season. That's a very different track. "Football Season Is Over" it's not yeah. an epic song, you know what I mean? It's all in the name there. There's nothing epic about that at all. If I'm going epic, I'm thinking of yeah. like Extremer and stuff like that. I'm thinking like Teresa, I'm thinking Nile that sort of thing. It was interesting to see a version of Deathcore which does have that epic sound on it on this album. And my only hesitation here is like a purely musical, which is that like the orchestral elements are slower than the rest of the music. And I tend to find that you tend to listen to the slowest part of the music, not the fastest part, in general. With black metal, you have these moments where they bring in like an acoustic guitar over the top, yeah, which is way slower than the rest of it. I found that this album was like, unfortunately, a little bit slowed down by some of that orchestral stuff even though it's cool and it does make it epic i felt like i lost my not that i lost my patience with it but like i wasn't as up for the album once it started to do a lot of that sort of thing Fast music, like we said in the Fresh episode, is very easy to listen to for a long time.
0: So, I, I, I totally know what you mean. When I was listening to this album through again, I was picking the return, you know, like it's weird because it's got that like super fast blast beat and then the like, like quite slow guitars and the kind of like harpsichord, right? It's this weird mix. And I, I thought I would kind of throw yeah. you because I, I, you, you said that kind of thing yeah. to me before. If you want really yeah. fast or catcher stuff, I would say also check out a band called Brand of Sacrifice. I talked them about them a bit before. I discovered yeah. them. Like a few right. days ago, and I'm super into them. They do okay, really cool. fast breakdowns and riffs and things, but they do it on the keyboards too. And you can you can yeah. you can hear them like shredding away on the <laughs> keyboards. It's very cool.
1: I gotta say, this is something. This is an area which I think maybe I've written off unfairly, and I'm very interested to see if we, yeah. you know, maybe we do a, a deathcore special, maybe, hmm? you know.
2: We're struggling to talk about the album because we're talking about yeah, the genre true. so mm. much, you know. So this is probably an indication that we should come back Absolutely. to the genre as a whole.
1: Yes, yeah, so I guess if I had to sum up just this album in a couple of sentences. It was maybe a little bit long for me. I had a similar issue with Vector, to be fair. Like, I kind of felt like sometimes I was like, you know, I kind of wanted to move along a little bit. But I did really like it, and the songs were varied. Some of the songs, maybe too long again, where I was like, I remember this bit that was really good, but I can't remember where it was. And I think overall i did like it it was easy to let it play but i would be interested to see what they could do with like the style and this quality of sound in like shorter catchier Mm. punchier tracks
2: absolutely it's interesting that you mentioned the length of the album because personally i found that like i didn't really get bored of the sound so much as just a bit worn out by it yeah a little bit how maybe how you felt with necrofilth josh where it's just too much for too long and now That's an interesting thing coming from me because I tend to enjoy really extreme music for a long, long period of time and I will listen to extreme music all day. But it's sort of something about like the slow classical music plus the fast kind of instrumental like underneath. It it does just slow it down too much for me and it feels... A little bit too mannered. That said, I really actually did like it. And, you know, I think um, if I'm going to go into favourite songs, I would say Mad Tyrant's Betrayal, Gathering of All. Uh, Largely kind of blurred, but, like, I'm pretty confident I could kind of pick this up anywhere and enjoy it. So, you know, good album. I did like it, and I'm interested mm. to see what else this genre has to offer.
0: I'm really quite, ha- I'm quite pleasantly surprised. You guys liked the Deathcore album, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I know what you mean. It's got. It, I think for really Deathcore's hit hit a big with the confusion of the symphonic orchestral stuff and the riffs and the fast vocals and the and the everything. And I think being maximalist just shoving everything you can into a song going for it is is the way to go (laughs) and with that in mind like i think that's what this album does really well it it fuses so many things together and it's really fast and intense um but somehow like it's it's just it's i think it's just something for everyone if you if you want like slammy heavy stuff there's that if you want almost sing-along melodic parts there's that you know it's kind of does everything and somehow all fits together and coming that in mind my favorite tracks are definitely like I guess maybe on the more, more melodic end. So my absolute favourite is um, The Prophet's Beckoning. I think that's really good. Uh, but also The Return, I think, is, is, is excellent. Yeah, that was that was one of my favourite tracks, The Return.
1: And I think I was going to pick the song that I think summed up the album the best. I would say The Heretic Prevails, I think, yeah, my favourite track. It kind of felt like it gave a little bit of everything that the album has to offer. Other tracks maybe lean into different parts yeah. more, but The Heretic Prevails was kind of like a good, here's everything this album can do. If you like it, listen to the whole thing.
2: But yeah, very good, yeah. Josh good album another interesting pick but I feel like just scratching the surface of what it could be so I always enjoy
0: I think the albums I bring are either really liked or really hated
1: yes you're definitely the most um, controversial member of the podcast (laughs) which is not what I expected So, that was Necrofilth with their album Devil's Breath. Love it. The Christa Unseen with Pervo Genesis. Love it. And Shadow of Intent with their album Reclaimer. Could love it's it. Could love it. <laughs> Could love Could it. Could love it. Not give quite it time, there. give it time. I don't know if I can say the same about Necrofilth. No, I can't. Hey,
2: well, we should listen to Worm Ritual because if you guys like Toxic Holocaust, which Josh, you didn't
0: anyway, but... <laughs> <laughs> hang on <laughs> yep, if you like work. this band which you didn't like
1: <laughs> I do wonder how well we've managed to discuss and answer some of the questions that Necrofilth made us ask ourselves well a little mm. bit
2: of a spoiler here but in the last episode we're not planning to do any albums are we we're just planning to talk shit for an hour and I'd love to come back to this
1: topic we of revisit like, this yeah
2: what's successful in music and like how is it portrayed
1: and this isn't a question that's unique to Necrofilth by no, any means
2: not at all you know
1: it's something that we i think we're definitely gonna have to come back to and hopefully grow and learn which is what this podcast yeah. is all well, about bottom line is you know,
2: we like music that uh, a lot of people hear is fairly controversial i mean like you know i remember when i used to work at.
1: are you getting back on your necro feel so because <laughs> climb down and stop i know <laughs> i just i
2: remember when i was um I gave someone a lift back from somewhere I worked once. And they got into my car and I put the key in the ignition and turned it on. And it was in the middle of, in the constellation of the Black Widow. It's not an offensive album to your, you know, morals. But it's an offensive album to your fucking ears. <laughs> 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 and I... I didn't really think about it. I just started the car and was thinking about pulling away, and she looked at me like, "What the fuck is this?" (laughs) I think we tend to we tend to forget that, like you know, this stuff that we like is uh, is abnormal to. A lot of people.
1: So, so talking about that, next week, we're doing something quite different, right? We, we've
2: decided to piss off a completely different crowd. Yeah, yeah. We, not
1: enough yeah. people hate us yet. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. We've decided to widen the net. We've
2: decided that we don't even want Metalheads to like us anymore. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, next week is a non-metal special, right? Yeah. We are going to talk about bands which we in no way, are metal, yeah. are the furthest thing from it in some cases. Yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah. And I I, I, I'm really looking forward to this, because, you know, it's kind of an old cliche now, the uh, metalheads listen to everything and stuff, and every metalhead has had to have that conversation with people they've met, you know? Oh yeah, I love metal, yeah. but I do like other stuff as well. The fact is... There's more to
1: me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: without that... I'm not just a genre, I'm a human.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, what, what album are you going to be bringing to this first... Non metal metal face.
0: Well, so
2: I thought I'd come in easy and do something that a lot of people do already know quite well. This would be a fun one to discuss. We're gonna be listening to Neutral Milk Hotels album In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. Cool. It's a sort of indie lo fi little bit of fu- little bit of folk in there.
0: Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Josh, what are you bringing to non metal metal faith? I'm picking a very controversial topic Brilliant. of I'm I'm bringing Ceremonials by Florence and the Machine. Florence
2: and the Machine. Man, I like a couple I of Florence... I really like Florence and the yeah, Machine. Yeah, I like a couple of Florence and the Machine songs, but never
1: listen to an album. Well, I can confidently say that I have heard some Florence and the Machine songs, but definitely
0: never listen to an album. So this will be interesting. Yeah, is, This is a good one to start with. It's a bit sad in places, but it's very good. Cool. <laughs> well, it's sad like atmospheric black metal. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Have some Kleenex ready. What about you, Ben?
1: So I will be bringing Wolf People's album Ruins, Okay. Um, which is a just the definition of psychedelic folk music. That sounds great, Ben.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I that mean... Are we talking plugged-in guitars or are we talking acoustic guitars?
1: Bit of both. No, no, no. There's some acoustic stuff and there's some real distorted trippy stuff. Exactly what you'd expect from... Like I say, they are distilled psychedelic folk. Like, imagine psychedelic Mm. folk about spam. That
2: sounds great. (laughs) And I think, uh, you know, we've all happened to pick stuff that's in a similar-ish ballpark, you know? We're all talking stuff that has... By
1: accident or design. A little bit of of sort of
2: indie rock, kind of lo-fi folk sort of thing going on there. I think, you know... We've come in at the, the more acceptable <laughs> end of our music taste for metalheads.
1: We are trying to break the stereotype that we only like one <laughs> thing, but yet we've all picked one thing. Yeah, exactly. Happen?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I think in the future, I there's definitely a lot of artists I'd like to subject you guys to. We should get into something without any guitars in the whole album. God, no, what? what? God forbid.
0: <laughs> what, what the fuck? How
1: are you do you even about? have music without a guitar? Plug <laughs> it in. Like, Plug it in. How in
3: happen? <laughs>
0: Please.
1: <laughs> uh, cool. Well. That was Metal Face, Episode 9. Thank you everyone for listening, and we'll catch you next week. I'll see you next week.
2: Bye! That was the Metal Face Podcast. Go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for Season of Mist, Caric, and Anger and a Separation for their music in the intro. And thank you to Johnny Peterson for Transition Music Throughout. Go check out his projects Heads for the Dead, Massacre, World Veil, and Wombat. And most importantly, thank you for listening, take it easy, and hail Satan. Take it easy, we'll see you next week. Uh, get me breezy. Why are you doing the voice? I'm not doing the voice. <laughs> take it
3: easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> take it sleazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey. hey,
2: listen to Necrofilth and take it sleazy.